Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each and every week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 361, Adam Steiner, serve your builder for a better project. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors. RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and so much more, all for free. FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work you love. And Gusto, the easy online payroll and benefit service built for modern small businesses like ours. In other words, a people platform. So thanks to RCAT, FreshBooks, and Gusto for supporting the Entree Architect community of small firm architects. Adam Steiner, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Adam is a third generation home builder. This industry has always been in Adam's blood. From early on, he knew he loved homes, design, and building. After a decade and a half of working as lead designer for various home builders, he ventured out on his own. And he's the owner of Burnham Design Company and the host and creator of the podcast Builder vs. Buyer. Uh, his mission is to take the mystery out of the home building process through sharing his experience. So Adam, I, uh, I invited you on the show here to, um, to talk about your story, to talk about 
how, how you discovered your passion for what you do, to talk a little bit about what you do at Burnham Design, and mostly focused on the podcast. I love the idea that you've used podcasting to, uh, to share your knowledge. It's something that I'm passionate about, something that I'm dedicated to. So I'm really excited to have that conversation. But before we do that, I would love to hear your origin story. So go back to where you discovered your passion for what you do and, uh, and let us know what the, the story is to where you find yourself today. Yeah, I was um, naturally a creative person. And I feel like, you know, with a lot of architects and designers going back to Legos and building and little drawings growing up, um, always loved the home building industry. My grandpa was a builder. Uh, my dad was a builder as well. And then- Did you spend um, a lot of time on the site as a kid? Yep, yeah, spent a lot of time on site. I took a one AutoCAD class early on in high school and my dad owned his company by then and was like, hey, shoot, come after work, you know, come after school, come work for me a couple hours a day, work through the summers. So that's when it really started and I found out like I really do love this industry um, and love drawing and designing. So I decided to study civil engineering in school. Um, it, as I was getting close to graduating, realizing, okay, I don't think I really want to be a civil engineer. Um, I don't want to do this my whole life. There's some things that are interesting, but I, I just don't, I don't love it. Um, so right after college, worked full-time for my dad's company again, um, and then for various builders through the industry. But um, yeah, it's, it's been pretty much my whole life has been in and, and around the home building industry. Civil engineering. Did you, did you, why did you choose civil engineering? Did you sort of decide that early on as a kid and said, well, I'll just go to school for civil engineering or was it something that you chose uh, later? Yeah, I, I was in fifth grade. We went to a field trip to a local engineering college um, and saw the water tunnel where they, you know, examine hydrology and things. And I thought, yeah. Hey, this looks cool. I want to be a civil engineer when I grow up. Right. Um, and discovered too late that I don't really want to be a civil engineer, but I do think it's really helped me in my life just with that like, credibility and um, establishing a business and all that. So, yeah, it's interesting because I think there's a lot of architects and engineers probably who, and I, and I know I, I ask this, this question in every podcast. So I, I know hundreds of origin stories and uh, a lot of them are right around that age, you know, fourth grade, fifth grade. Um, that was when I discovered architecture and decided that I was going to be an architect, right? And focused on that to be an architect. And, and that's good and bad, right? And, and in my case, um, it got me to where I am as an architect, but, but uh, I never looked, you know, I put the blinders on and just said, go, right? Um, and so uh, who would have known um, where I may have been if I didn't pursue architecture, if I sort of did open up a little bit and have right, opened those blinders right. a little bit and see where I would have gone. I love where I am today, and without being an architect, I would have never been able to uh, start Entree Architect and grow it into what it is. So I'm, I, I'm a firm believer, believer that things happen for a reason and that you follow a path, and, and uh, I'm on that path. And so, um, but it's interesting to, in your case, that you, you focused on that goal, very young, locked in, put the blinders on, civil engineer, that's me. I uh, went through school, discovered what civil, civil engineering really is, uh, and found that it really wasn't your passion. It wasn't something that you were interested in doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, uh, it, it was interesting at the time, but. <laughs> yeah. Was that a, was that a hard decision to, to, cause you said you were pretty far along in your, uh, education to, to make that decision to, to leave and go work for your dad. 
Uh, no, not at all. I, I felt like, you know, I graduated, got my degree and I was like, I, I don't want to do civil engineering. I interviewed for a couple of places and like just the job descriptions I could tell, like, this isn't what I want to do. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to go design homes. So you did, so you did, you graduated, you, you went out into the profession and started practicing and it wasn't, wasn't what you wanted. No, I, I graduated and never practiced. So. Got it. Got <laughs> it. Yeah. Right. And so, so, um, so the, the passion of building, it's in your blood, right? So mm-hmm. grandpa, dad, and you, um, yep. it's, it's, part of who you are. And so was that sort of just instinctive, just go back to that because that's what I know, or was there really a true passion there? Um, I would say a little of both. Um, I realized, so my dad being a home builder, I, I, I saw that I didn't really want to be a home builder. I didn't love the, the scheduling and the project management and all of that, those aspects of it. But when I found home design, like it really, really clicked with me of like bringing form and function together and okay, I can really change people lot, people's lives by making something pretty that lasts and um, just getting my creative juices going and every, every day is a new challenge. So like, yeah, I really, really love it and did love it then. So, so did you, you said you started doing some CAD work for your dad. Did you, did you design for him as well when you, when you went back to work with him? Yeah. So this is the cool thing about, this is different. So most architects probably have a different path than this, but working straight for a builder, um, especially a smaller builder, you're handed the keys to the operation really early on. So like even summers in college, I'm designing custom homes for clients. Um, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes back then and wish I could change some things now, but, um, I've gotten the chance to already design hundreds of homes that have already been built and, um, you, you really get that early opportunity and get to learn very, very quickly and learn the hard way of doing things right and wrong. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a neat Avenue to go down if you're, if you have that interest. Yeah. And so when, when did Burnham design company come into the story? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I took a job up here in the Minneapolis area and for one reason or another, didn't, didn't work out. So, um, this January I broke off on my own and started Burnham Design Company. Just felt like the timing was right in my career and the, the market was right. And then a pandemic hit. Um, so yeah, great, great timing on that. Surprise. Yeah. Um, but just, it, it felt like the right time in my life and it's been, it's been great. I've loved it since. And so it, you're still involved in the building side, right? That's part of what you do. Do you do design build or is it just design? Um, primarily design. I do work with some design build contractors. Most of my clients are builders. Um, so I feel like I'm really still involved on the builder side. We will return to our conversation right after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors, RCAT, FreshBooks, and Gusto. Every day, more architecture professionals are adding RCAT to their workflow to save them time and money. RCAT helps designers, specifiers, and architects compare and select the best products for their projects using the powerful RCAT search engine. They also offer data files like BIM and CAD and specifications right there on the same site for free without registration. There's no catch, no cost, no email. It's all free. All your building material information and all your manufacturer information 
all in one convenient place. Visit rcat.com today to see why so many professionals are consolidating their product search to one task. Visit rcat.com. That's rcat.com, A-R-C-A-T.com. Visit rcat.com today. There's lots to love about being an entrepreneur architect, but trying to figure out your financials on your own is not one of those things. Luckily, there's FreshBooks, the all-in-one accounting solution that's built for business owners like us. FreshBooks takes all of the not-so-fun parts of running a business, from building and tracking invoices, to organizing expenses, to managing online payments, all of that, and it automates them and simplifies them, saving you up to 11 hours a week in the process. 11 hours. FreshBooks has your back at tax time too. With tons of reports to choose from, you'll know exactly where your business stands and you can easily hand over the keys to your accountant so they can take over when it's time to reconcile everything for the year. Try FreshBooks for free, 30 days. No credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com architect and enter entree architect in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com architect. And let them know that you're a member of the Entree Architect community. Freshbooks.com slash architect. Look, 2020 has proven to be the year of many things. But if you own your own architecture business, this could be the year that you switch to better payroll. Gusto wasn't just built for small businesses. It was built for the people behind them, like you and me. Their online payroll is so easy to use. Gusto can automatically calculate paychecks and file all your payroll taxes automatically, which means you have more time to run your business. Plus, Gusto does way more than payroll. Gusto helps with time tracking, health insurance, 401ks, onboarding, commuter benefits, offer letters, access to HR experts. You get the idea. It's super easy to set up and get started. And if you are moving from another provider, they can transfer all your data for you. It's no surprise that 94% of customers are likely to recommend Gusto. And here's the best part. Because you're a listener right here at Entree Architect Podcast, you get three months free, totally free. All you have to do is go to gusto.com slash architect and all the details are there. Again, go to gusto.com slash architect. You'll thank me. You're going to love Gusto. Get started today at gusto.com slash architect. RCAT, FreshBooks, and Gusto. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So there are a lot of architects that are listening that that um, are looking for new markets, right? They, a lot of what we do is working directly with clients, but developers and working specifically with builders is one opportunity. Do you have any thoughts on how architects can work with builders as clients rather than just work with them as contractors? Yeah, I, w- I would say, um, I'll get to advice to how to acquire them in a second, but I would say builders are great clients because they're, I, I don't mean to offend my current clients, but builders are a little less needy. When you're designing a, a custom home for a client, you have at least an hour meeting, every revision, they come to you with notes and pages and changes and pictures and and all that. A builder 
builders are very busy. And so the, the changes and the things they want you to do are very quick. You're spending a lot less of your time and energy chasing around options and changes and they're straight to the point. So it's really quicker to design. Um, but I'd say how to get builders, they're, they're very, very, like I said, they're busy. So they're very, very time centric. So if you can build your business around quick turnarounds, especially like if, if you can be the, the architect or firm that um, if they have customer or client changes that they're waiting on before they can turn in a permit and you take that Friday afternoon, you take 30 minutes and get them the drawing the day they ask for them, that will go a huge, huge way for that builder's life because they know they're going to get screamed at if the permit didn't get turned in and, and all that. So there's, there's, if you can build your process on speed, they're very, very attracted to that. Um, if you tell a builder, hey, thanks for giving me this project. It'll be four weeks before you see anything. You've, you've probably already lost them yeah. um, regardless of your pricing. So I, I would say focus on that. Would you say that working with builders uh, tends to be more profitable than working with directly with clients? Yeah, I, I would. I, I think my best margin stuff is with builders um, because I said of the simplicity. With the simplicity does come a trade-off. Um, yeah. Builders are the ones that will... You send them the drawings, they will text you a change. And then like five minutes later, they'll email you about that same project, a different change. Um, so it's a little more, it's a little more scattered, but um, if you can rein that in, it's, it does get really profitable just because of the, the time factor. You're not spending three revisions. They don't have time for three revisions. Yeah. And so having, having, having um, grown up in the industry, understanding builders, working with builders, do you have any advice for architects who'd like to pursue that? I think we hear a lot of architects who are listeners, part of the community here, who, who want to not only design their own work, but also build their own work. Do you have any uh, ideas and, and suggestions on how they might pursue that? Like become a contractor, essentially? Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you, Mark, do you think yeah. most of the the firms are looking to build custom homes or more, more production? Because I think the answer is a little different. Um, I think it depends. I think that there are some, uh, I think the majority probably is, is building the custom homes that they design, but okay. I think there are also entrepreneurial architects out there who would love to design and build and become developers and, and do work for themselves. Uh, so that both, I would say both. Yeah. Um, a couple of points here then, if you're looking to become a contractor, of, um, be ready to over communicate. Um, the biggest, the biggest stress I feel like I find clients when they're in the build process is when they feel like they can't get a hold of anyone, when they feel like they're not getting communicated with. So actually one of the builders I was at, the policy was the sales agent, that main point of contact for the client, and then the site superintendent, they called every single client they had every single week. And I think that's a good, that's a good start. Um, it doesn't need to be a phone call, sometimes an email, Hey, this is what happened on your project this week, but be ready. It's a little bit of a change from the architecture design world. Be ready to communicate pretty consistently with your clients. Um, second, I would say, figure out your documentation early. How are you going to handle selections, schedule work orders and ordering? Um, I'd say two other really, really big frustrations with frustrations with clients are, um, the selection and or changes. So how, what is included in my project when you give me a price? Is it allowances? Are we doing a design build? And then if, if you do incorporate allowances, um, 
tie them to something concrete and tangible. Actually bid out wood flooring and say, this is the wood flooring we bid out. This is how much it costs. So this is what we're going to put in your allowance. And actually show them that at, when you're at the sales contract table, that, that kind of stuff can go a long, long way. Because if you don't do that, it's automatically a misperception on the back end. Client thought their allowance bought them this. It didn't. They're frustrated because they have to pay extra right. every single step of the way. Um, and then delays in the schedule is another huge, huge frust frustration. So if you can get a really good working schedule, um, either hire someone that knows that from the building world or, or sometimes it's just trial and error of doing it. But knowing what's going on on the project, be able to build something efficiently so it doesn't take you two, three years to get that project done. Um, you know, you're building custom homes in a timely manner. And then being able to communicate what's happening and what will happen to your client is really, really helpful too. You have a podcast called Builder vs. Buyer. And so the voice you're hearing, the knowledge that you have, um, it's, it's, uh, it's built for podcasting. So tell, tell us a little bit about your podcast and what your, what your intent is with the podcast. Yeah. So I, I really want to help people. And I think we're in an awesome day and age when helping people can be just building a personal brand and building a brand for my business. So that like really excites me. Um, and what I found in the home building industry is like both sides go in skeptical. So the buyer and the builder, the, I call it the auto mechanic syndrome, no offense to auto mechanics, but um, the buyer goes in thinking, okay, you're going to screw me. I don't know how or why, but I'm going to get screwed in this build. So I need to, I need to do everything. I need to dig my heels in before I even talk to a sales agent. Right, automatically um, defensive. Yes, exactly. And then the builder on the flip side, a lot of builders are annoyed by their clients, annoyed by changes, annoyed by questions. Um, so I think, I'm not going to fix the building industry with one podcast. I know like what I'm doing is a very, very small thing, but I think there's, there's a way through advice and education to help both sides get a little better, um, to help educate builders on things you can inform your clients about, set better expectations, and then setting, helping the clients set their own expectations on what to expect when you're designing custom plans, the difference between semi-custom and production and custom builds and, all that little stuff that um, you don't think about asking until you're at the sales office. And then by the time you've signed, you forgot 75% of what, what you came in there to do. Um, so. so the podcast is called Builder vs. Buyer. You can find it on iTunes and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Um, the, how, when did you start it? Um, I started it at the end of May. So uh, still getting off the ground here. Yeah. So have you, have you, um, seen some positive results of the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, I really have. I've actually already seen some, um, more clients come in, more calls, um, more interaction on social and, and all that. So it's, it's, um, I feel like I know nothing yet. Um, I'm just doing it and figuring it out as I go, but it's exciting to do. Yeah, it's, it, it is exciting to do it. It's, it's, um, it's interesting how podcasting works and blogging was, was very similar when I started in 2007 with my blog is that clients would read that blog. Actually, before I started the entrepreneur architect blog, I had a, a, a blog for my architecture firm called living well in Westchester. I was in Westchester County, New York, and I would write that every week. And that blog would be, you know, clients would be attracted to it and would read it, become regular um, readers. 
And so when they finally wanted to do a project, they would call me and I would go meet with them. And when they opened the door, you can tell that they had a bond with me, that they felt like they knew me, that there was some sort of connection, almost mm -hmm. a friendship, right? Like they were yeah. welcoming an old friend into the house. It was really interesting because I didn't expect that at first. And then I realized what was happening and it encouraged me to keep going with it, um, which is actually why the second pod, the second blog, Entrepreneur Architect started, uh, that was more for myself, but it also attracted a community that became what Entree Architect is today. Um, but the podcast is very similar. I get that reaction all the time whenever I go to, a, to an expo or somebody listens to the podcast, hears my voice and turns around and, you know, it says, oh, that's mm -hmm. Mark LePage, right? And, yeah. <laughs> and they, they recognize the voice. Um, and they have this connection. They have this instant bond with me uh, because they listen to my voice every week. And so uh, podcasting is even more powerful than the blogging is because of that. And, and not only do you make that connection, I'm like, I'm in your ear, right? Mm -hmm. I'm in your head. Yeah. And so it's, it's a very intimate way to communicate with somebody uh, because I'm literally inside your head. And, uh, and that, that really encourages that connection. Um, and so it's a very powerful tool. And, uh, and I could see how it could be very successful for somebody like you who has this knowledge, can, can share the knowledge you have as both a designer and a builder um, and understanding through your years of doing this, uh, being brought up in this world, having pursued it yourself, uh, having a lot of knowledge to share and openly, openly sharing that knowledge um, in a transparent way, I'm sure it will be very successful. Oh, thanks, Mark. Thanks. Um, yeah, and what you've built here is something really, really amazing. Like I was telling my wife, I'm like, I know you haven't heard of Mark LePage, but like this is exciting. <laughs> like <laughs> you should be excited because this is really, really cool um, to get an opportunity to talk with him. So, yeah, um, I, I love that. Thank you for that. Um, before we wrap things up, let me ask you the one question that I ask everybody. What is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? I would say pay attention to everything and ask good questions. You will have the opportunity to be in meetings with surveyors, with builders, with um, engineers. Ask the extra question, figure out what's going on. Don't just focus on your little portion of the project of the, the design, which is good and you should focus on. But if you're a practicing architect, you will figure that stuff out. The, the other stuff can really open a lot of avenues for you. So ask your builder those couple extra questions. Hey, what is it I could change on this next project to make things better? Um, same thing with your, with your surveyor and with your clients. Um, yeah, really dig into that. And I think you can learn a lot. People are yeah. willing to share if you're, if you're just willing to ask and listen. That's very good advice. You'll also gain a lot of respect from those people that when you acknowledge that there's something you don't know, because a lot of architects have this, this feeling like they need to know everything and they can't show their cards that they don't know everything. And so they're hesitant to, to ask those questions. And I have found that when I do ask those questions of contractors and let them know that I'm genuinely interested in their knowledge um, and how I could become a better architect and help them do their job better, um, I instantly get respect from them, right? And the whole, the whole relationship changes. Yeah. So that's, that's a really uh, a powerful uh, bit of advice that you just shared. His name is Adam Steiner. You can learn much, much more about him at his website, burnhamdesign.com. I highly recommend that you do go there 
because he's he is building a brand. You can see he's doing a great job building his brand using his website. The podcast is a piece of that. Uh, building a personal brand as well as a firm brand. There's lots to learn uh, at Burnham Design, and the podcast is called Builder vs. Buyer. You can search for that on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, he's on LinkedIn as Adam Steiner, Facebook and Instagram at Burnham Design Company. Adam, thank you for joining me here today at Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks so much, Mark. It was a pleasure. You are listening to episode 361 with Adam Steiner. If you would like to access the show notes for this episode or share this episode with a friend, the link is entrearchitect.com slash episode 361. I would appreciate it if you took that link, entrearchitect.com slash episode 361 and sent it to one person, just one. You could post it on Twitter and send it to a bunch. You could post it on your Facebook, send it all to your friends and family. You can put it in an email and send it to one architect who may not know what we're doing here at Entree Architect Podcast, entrearchitect.com slash episode 361, send. Thank you. Entree Architect is proud to be a partner of the largest, most engaged AEC multimedia network on the planet, Gable Media. We are curating thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. That's you. You can listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. G-A-B-L media.com. Go there and check out, subscribe to all the shows. And we have a great new podcast just launched this week, Context and Clarity with Jeff Eccles and Catherine McPhail. It's a daily podcast. Go check it out at Gable Media, G-A-B-L media.com. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership. We have ready to edit business resources, checklists and forms and things like that. Live monthly training with experts every month, a supportive architect community. If you like Entree Architect community at the Facebook group and you're looking for something a little bit more private, a little bit more intimate, that's where you want to go. The Entree Architect membership community on Slack. And now for members, Simple Systems, our new business system program being developed for you, small firm entrepreneur architects. It is all there waiting for you inside the Entree Architect membership. Learn more and join right now at entrearchitect.com slash join. entrearchitect.com slash join. Be well, my friends. Be healthy, be happy, safe and secure. I thank you for listening today. I thank you for listening every week. I appreciate you. Love, learn, and go share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. 
One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success. <laughs>